welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall, as I interview leaders in the industry. We'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. Thinking about becoming a bar instructor? Or maybe you already are, but are interested in learning new teaching techniques. Bar Where You Are combines ballet form and grace with Pilates principles and functional fitness training to create a one-of-a-kind bar experience. Their unique class format and flow allows clients to get a fun and effective total body workout in every class. Their one-day, eight-hour course covers anatomy, musicality, transitions, how to provide modifications and corrections, and a breakdown of more than 100 different exercises, allowing all bar instructors to leave with a solid understanding of how to create and deliver a safe and effective class to all fitness levels. And because they are internationally accredited and require no licensing fees, our bar babes can teach anywhere they wish and truly make the class their own. You can find out more information on registering or hosting a training at your gym or studio by visiting www.barwhereyouaresc.com backslash become an instructor. And let's bar where you are. Hi, we're just getting started in bar fitness. Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy-now-pay-later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. To the podcast, everybody. It's episode 21, which means actually almost at the end of the year, which is insane. Um, it's been quite a year. That's the obvious. But what I do want to say is that I think we are finding community in new, interesting, and unique places, and I'm all for that. So as the summer rolls down, it's September, it's back to school time for a lot of people, and um, there's some virtual workshops that are coming up in the bar world. And today's interview um, is with Ben Ribby, who is the founder of Bar Summit. This is very exciting. At the time of the interview, the summit was going to be in person, so some things might not apply. However, the Bar Summit is happening online, so if you haven't gotten your ticket and you want to know more, you're going to hear about it. It's much of the same as it would have been in person, but now being done virtually and online, and even better, you can take it at your own pace. So a lot of the classes are going to be on demand. Um, demand, right? We hear that word, on demand, on demand, be ready to go. Um, we're being demanded a lot of things lately. So being able to go at your own pace and meet yourself where you're at and partake in what you have the capacity for is important to just remind yourself that you don't need to be so demanding of yourself that you can engage in or out of anything that you want, right? 
that's your reminder. I have that reminder for myself all the time. You know, we've had an abundance of classes show up virtually, and now we have in-person classes happening. And although we have these offerings, these shiny objects, like you've heard me talk about in the past, sometimes they're shiny and they're meant for us, and sometimes they're just shiny and they're distracting and too demanding, and we spread ourselves too, too thin. So just remind yourself, don't be so demanding, be patient with yourself, be kind to yourself, and do what you want, man, right? <laughs> do it or don't do it, but it's okay either way. So if you are a lover of this time of year and you're like, yes, I'm ready to learn myself, there are things happening that you can engage in on. So you'll hear about Bar Summit, also, going back to community and engaging online and maybe learning some extra things, I'm here for you as well. So in the Facebook group, I started last month with a just kind of a monthly sharing talk where I will pick a topic and share my experience, share my story with it. And then it leads into the mini mentoring mastermind group workshop slash class. So Last month in August, I talked about teaching on camera. I went through tips, resources, how-tos, and gave individual support to those who showed up for this mastermind. I call it a mastermind because it's also collaborative. Your quote-unquote issues or troubleshooting things or challenges will most likely apply to somebody else, so we can do a group brainstorm during this as well, which we can learn from each other and support each other. This is why it's not just a workshop of this is how you do it per se. We all have unique things about us and we all have different resources and access to things. So it's important to also stay flexible and creative and know that wherever you're at, you can begin there. And then when you are ready to grow or you have the ability to grow, you can have support behind that as well. So this month in September, it's about hands-on, just kidding, hands-off. It's about being hands-off. <laughs> Self-adjustments and self-corrections. So teaching on camera and taking class on camera can be challenging because we don't always feel like we get that individualized personalized and curated class meant for us. And sometimes we're left looking around the room by ourselves thinking, am I doing this right? So this workshop is for both students and teachers to learn strategies and tools to be able to self-correct, make adjustments in their posture, in their exercise, to tailor it and personalize it for you, for yourself. So jump in on the Facebook group. I've already done the live sharing at this point. So go back and check in the Facebook group my storytelling and look at some of the comments. Comment there if you have any questions. Feel free to email me at info at barvariations.com and get on the mailing list. This is how you're gonna find out all of the information. But I encourage you to join this mini mastermind. It's gonna be the last Monday of September at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is September 28th, just kidding. Yes, September 28th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
Now, if you sign up and you don't join live, yes, you get the replay, but I encourage you to make the time to be there so we can troubleshoot your areas of issue and whatever challenges you're facing. That way we can move through that together and get you through that hard place. Um, I will link this in the show notes so you have it, um, an easy way to sign up for it. And I hope to see you there. It's limited. It's only going to be 10 people. That way I can really be sure I'm giving everybody the proper attention. Okay, so we are living in a virtual world and I am all about creating more support, more community, and more offerings for you at the amount that feels appropriate, right? This is just a little nugget. If you've been teaching for a while, you're craving some refreshing, some learning, this is a great opportunity to that. Do that. Anyways, plug, plug, plug. That was my plug. <laughs> and if you're not a part of the Facebook group, I really encourage you to join. It has been blowing up this summer. So I know that we are all craving connection more than ever, especially since even if we're in person, we're six feet apart. So come join this community of teachers and non-teachers and say hello. Can't wait to see you there. And up next, I'll be interviewing Ben Rippey from Bar Summit. Enjoy. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news. For those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. will add an extra bit of fun to your workout with apparel designed for and inspired by the bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, then you'll be happy to know that they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of bar to the world. Check out their go-to line of screen printed goodies included workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. This podcast is sponsored by Point Studio. They are the best gripping socks for bar, yoga, dance, and basically all studio workouts. These socks are the next best thing to being barefoot. And listeners of the Bar Variations podcast get 15% off their order with the code BAR VARIATIONS. That's code BAR VARIATIONS, all one word, to receive 15% off your next purchase at pointstudio.com. Hi, listeners. I'm here today with Ben Rippey, the creator of Bar Summit. Woohoo! And Ben is a graduate with a business degree from Colorado State University. He's worked in the fitness industry since 2006 and has worked with brands such as Mad Dog Athletic, Keith Pilates, Spinning, to name a few, as well as producing several fitness education conferences like BCA and Mind Body. Big league here. Welcome, Ben. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So great to have somebody on the other side of the fitness industry outside of classes at these big events. I can't wait to dive into all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I like to take everybody back to the beginning of how did you get your start with movement in your own personal life? Were you a kid? Where is it come later? So what did that look like for you? 
So for me, as a kid, I always was interested in, in being active. Uh, my dad was a runner for many years of my life, and I kind of got into uh, to running a little bit, running races with him, and, and really just enjoying the, the, the thrill of, of movement in general. Um, and, I, and I delved into different forms of exercise along the way, trying yoga, trying cycling classes, um, you know, just... At weightlifting I got into because that was that was a very popular thing well it still is but you know it, it was popular for for a young you know 17 year old kid that that was kind of lanky and wanted to you know to bulk up a little bit so Arnold Schwarzenegger was a big influence on many many of boys <laughs> he was he was and it still is to this day every time I uh, go over to Germany I mean that his his effect over there is still so so huge it's it's really crazy but um but yeah, so I, uh, I really started working out heavily when I was 18. And once I got to college and I actually experienced, you know, a true weight room and fitness classes and all of those things that the university offered, I really got into it more heavily. And it, it really became a routine for me and a lifestyle for me. And I really have never looked back since. Um, so that's, that's been the really cool thing for me is that it was the beginning of a, a lifestyle change that, that took hold and has become my life now. So I, I really am glad that I was exposed to that. And, but even more than being exposed to it, I took the initiative on my own to, to make it part of my life. And I think that's, that's really important for a lot of people, not just to be exposed to it, but to, to own the change for yourself. Absolutely. And what a healthy choice as a young college co-ed to get into that (laughs) lifestyle and to be honest because I mean I think Colorado State is quite a large university if I'm Mm -hmm. correct yeah there's such a culture these days of uh you know binge drinking party schools Mm -hmm. and you know if you don't have I mean it's great you had the exposure the seeds were planted but you do have to make that commitment of like your mom is no longer making your lunch for you (laughs) <laughs> so you're, you know, you're not being told you have to go to soccer by your dad or whatever it is, whatever that story is for you. Like going to college is a big, like push out the door for a lot of people in their upbringing, you know, cause you're, maybe you're just listening to your parents. Maybe you're not, maybe you're rebelling, whatever it is, but it's the first time you're really like kind of on your own to make daily decisions. And it's not just a big, like, what am I going to major in? It's what am I going to eat for breakfast? Pizza yeah. or cereal or a egg or you know it's like (laughs) there's a lot of choices that um you know becoming a mother too like realizing that even for myself of like I always inherently like just made these choices on my own too and I made an issue I was just always like somebody that just did it and my mom always would say like I didn't have to worry about you because you just like did it on your own you did your laundry because you were sick (laughs) of waiting for me you know you you went and did this because you wanted to and I think that college experience, yes, they have these big, fancy, fancy gyms on a lot of large universities, but did you find that there was a big community in the gym and classes that you went to in college, or did you find that it was um, its own little niche thing at the time? I, I feel like it was its own little niche thing at the time. It wasn't as prevalent. I mean, it seems like now there's so many options for group classes. Mm. And uh, back then, I don't remember. I mean, this was back in 2000 and from 2000 to 2004. Mm-hmm. So I'm now, I'm now dating myself here. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it, <laughs> it, um, yeah, it was definitely less. I mean, group classes have existed 
even during that time, it was just yeah, but not in the same way. It was not yeah. in the same way. It was right before the boob of boutique fitness. It was not right. I'm because I am four years behind you, and even then, even in 2000, graduating in 2008, when I went into school at 2004, I mean, give everyone context. Okay, Facebook is just coming out only for college students. Right. Social media is not what it is today, and certainly the wellness, quote-unquote, wellness realm was not mainstream. Juicing right. hadn't even started. So, like, I went to school for dance, and, you know, the diet mm -hmm. that was in was Beyonce was pushing. Sorry, this is the second time I'm going to call her out for this. The master <laughs> cleanse. So, uh -huh. women were all about the dieting. Men were in the waiver, you know. So, it wasn't these amazing group experiences that we have so many options today. And, um and it wasn't that long ago. So you're not dating yourself. We're, we're still young. We're still young. We are still young. This is true. All relative. But it's, <laughs> but it's so true. So, I mean, just to make that um, conscious choice, I mean, kudos to you because um, I know I was eating like peanut butter out of a jar. I'm like, do I want to go out tonight or do I want to buy lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, another thing I think is really important too that I, that I went through I mean, I was lucky enough to, to be exposed to nutrition classes, nothing, nothing too in-depth, nothing that, that someone that's really gone through high-level education would be exposed to, but, but even beginner-level nutrition courses, which not everyone really gets a chance to go through, but, but certain things relative to nutrition, were, I, my eyes were open to those things. I'll always remember two very specific things that happened in my class that I, to this day, have never forgotten. The first one being when our professor took out a plastic bag and poured out the amount of grams of sugar that's in a regular can of Coke. Ugh. And he, was, he you know, put it in a, in a visual format for us to look at. And when you actually look at that, it is, it is immense, the amount of sugar that is in one can of soda. So, um, so that was a very, um, demo. it is, it's yeah, eye-opening, yeah. right? It's, yeah, it really is. And that was, that was a cool way to understand like the effect that, that sugar added in our foods can have on us. And, and it, it, it really, um, affected me greatly. So that was kind of cool. And then, then I also got to kind of experience how marketing can affect the way that, that we make choices with our food and with our fitness, because we can get into that later, but but how marketing really affects all of that. And um, even just, just words like lean, you know, we really talked through that and how like they can put lean on the package of something and what does lean really mean? And until you actually turn around the product and look at what's in it, the actual ingredient list and the nutritional aspect of it, you aren't really truly understanding what you're getting with your food. So it, it really opened my eye to, to not just buying something just because it says something, actually looking at it and, and determining if these things are good for me to have. And, and that's also applicable in the world of fitness as well, not just, not just about marketing. The buzzwords, the, that kind of, I mean, a hundred, like already giving you some insight of how, you know, your movement, uh, lifestyle and your business degree, but you know, going back to that sugar visual, you know, numbers are numbers, but when you see something and you can relate it and it's tangible, that speaks volumes than to just be like, well, it's bad for you, or it's, it's X amount of grams and who cares, whatever. Like 
but that visual, so that's where like, yeah, that marketing comes in and then the buzzwords and we're of a generation of diet, low fat was a big mm-hmm. one, you know, yeah. lean, that was the other one. And then if, <laughs> if it was really exciting, it was X, whatever, it, blah, blah, blah. Like I'll never forget the X in front of freaking everything like in the early 2000s and we're talking about 20 years ago oh my god now I feel but 20 years ago this is how things were being marketing and I do think it's done and even they're getting smart you know like marketer like advertisers are smart that world is smart to switch up some words and I feel like wellness quote-unquote wellness has now become the the buzzword yeah, it really has. Yeah. And it stinks and it's great, but it's also like there's always a way to like tack on a word to make it sound that it has better quality or better ingredients or it's going to be the best of whatever. Um, another one is like original, right? You know, if you're talking about Pilates or a bar, the original, whatever. Okay. Like if you weren't first, then you're not the best. Like, so it's, it's, so interesting you say that so could you speak a little bit more about how um as you were going through school like how your movement and how your fitness really influenced your degree in business yeah so there was to to what you kind of alluded to before there's a lot of exterior factors that can affect a college student the partying and there's a lot of distractions we'll just say that (laughs) Which, of course, you know, I wasn't immune to all of that. I partook in that. But, but then you really have to look at where you want to be as a well-rounded person going forward and make decisions that, that will affect your life for the future. And it's a hard thing to do because a lot of people get overly caught up in the world of, of you know, skipping class and partying and there, there's no real goal or, or something that they're trying to achieve. So, so you really have to step back and look at that, what you're trying to do for the future. And, and I think what started to happen as I went through and learned some of these things on the business side, you know, my fitness never went away and my, my love for movement never went away. And, 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 and I started to get more involved with looking at nutrition and understanding food. And, I'm, and by no means am I an expert, but, but I, I think about it. I actually give it thought. And that's, you know, that's something that, that uh, not, not everyone does. And it's, it's really important to start thinking, like, when we say wellness, to me, it's, it's having a, a well-rounded lifestyle mm-hmm. um, that has moderation for, for most things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's really, it, it started to shape me to, to figure out where I wanted to go for my future mm-hmm. um, after I left the university. And so it, it kind of affected me in a way of, of, giving me a little direction. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I mean, I did not go to a large university. I went to a small dance conservatory and I didn't know what it was like not to have a purpose. And Mm -hmm. not that, again, not that I didn't party, definitely had my fair share of nights, but I'll never forget going to class one day and being hungover, doing some turns and walking out and getting sick. I was so embarrassed. I felt like I let myself down, my teachers down. I was like, I'm here for a reason. I know this purpose. I'm like, what the heck am I thinking? I can never do this again. So it's, I like hearing what you have to say. I mean, business degree, like not for nothing is pretty broad, right? And it's an university and that you can still, that how like movement has informed purpose in your life. I've always 
kind of having a goal or thinking about the future or preparation or keeping a long lifestyle going, right? Like the well-rounded, like if you burn out in the beginning, you won't be able to achieve, <laughs> achieve later on or whatever it is. I think that's uh, such a great thing to tap into at a young age in a place where, yeah, there is a lot of distractions because guess what? Like college is just the beginning of a world of distractions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Another thing too that I want to mention is what, one other class that really affected me a lot that kind of weaved my path a bit on the marketing end as it relates to fitness. And it wasn't related to fitness, but it, and, and I'm going to say this, but it's, it's changed. The word social has changed um, because now we just think of social as anything to do with online social media. But back then I had a social marketing class that I took and what that meant back. Yeah. And what that meant back then was how to elicit a behavioral change in someone through marketing um, rather than just like posting pictures online. That's not what it was about. So so it was a really interesting class. I mean, the, the entire semester was our collective group of about 30 students working on one project for the whole semester. And then we all got a grade. And a few of us volunteered to be the project managers for it. And I was happy to do that because that's kind of what I like doing in general. Um, and and it, was for, it was a project for actually Citibank had contracted us because they were launching a new website that they wanted to show college students how to better manage their credit card debt because um, a lot of students were you know, getting into debt. Um, so we had a whole campaign of creating a mascot and, uh, and promoting this website. And we attended um, different um, expos where we took a booth out and we you know, handed out brochures and we did, we did an event on campus. And so it was this, just this well-rounded marketing campaign around this one project. And, and while the, the, the project wasn't related to fitness, it opened my eyes to, wow, you can really work on a large-scale project that can affect people in a very positive way. Mm. And so that really drove me as well later in life. I just didn't know it yet at the time. <laughs> but I, it was really planting the seeds. And that is such a great seed to be planted because I think uh, for you and I, and when we came out of college and when we went in our upbringing, you know, we're not that far, apart, but knowing what it was like before and after social media, I think is a really great marker to our own advantage um, uh -huh. because social does mean something different. And the way I've approached um, social media in my own business is to actually make connection and to reach out to people. This is how this podcast got involved. And as we kind of said off the air of like, we're two people that love to like of a generation that love to chat on the phone. I can chat for hours about <laughs> whatever. And it's so, it's a lost skill. And I do like, and I always say like, there's so much talk in a small talk and it can really be big talk, right? It can, it can change things. You can make relationships with people that you don't think you have anything in common with and then find these little things that it just connects you. And I think it's so, amazing so having that seed planted for you and that social aspect um i want to flag that because i do want to talk about it more when it comes to like the bar summit stuff and how mm -hmm. that plays a big role because yeah you can post a picture all day long you can put up a conference you can put up an event 
And there's still a vibe that happens. Like people feel included or they don't, or they feel a part of it or they don't, you know, and to, you know, create an experience where people feel like they are a part of a bigger community because they are, is so, so invaluable. Mm -hmm. uh, so okay. after college, um, what was that pathway for you? Did you get the dream job right away? Was it a bit of trial and error? What happened there? So that's where the story gets interesting for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there was trial and error at first. You know, when you're fresh out of college, you just, you want a job. And... By the way, the market had crashed four years later when I came out of college. <laughs> We're also talking about a very shaky yeah. post nine like. Yeah. It was a time. It was a time. <laughs> it, it was a yeah, it was a very, very interesting time in the world, absolutely. And and people kind of underestimate how much that crash really affected a lot of things. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um so but anyway, yeah, I um I right out of college I, I got a a couple of jobs that were really nothing related to fitness, even though I had that passion in me, you know, you'd make certain decisions because you're a kid and you need a job and you want to start your career. So you start looking for whatever you can get hired at. And, you know, I, I found a couple of jobs. One was for an IT consulting firm doing marketing. One was for a company that developed human resource um, software and really um, steady jobs. And it got me into sort of like the corporate side of, of, the world and, you know, wearing, wearing a suit and tie and dressing up every day and that the whole world, which I didn't love. I, I didn't love, you know, and I, I'm someone that likes to stick with something once I've started it, even, you know, times get difficult, but you just keep pushing forward. And with, with a couple of those jobs, I just wasn't feeling the passion for it. And that was a big key element for me is I'm not one of these people that just loves to go through the motions forever. I, I want to do something I'm actually passionate about and I enjoy. And so for about a year and a half after, uh, well, actually almost two years after uh, college, I went through those two jobs and they were fine and they got me some experience. But then by sheer luck, I don't, you know, I don't even know how much people use monster.com to search for oh, monster. An, so anything. <laughs> I think it's around, but it is not what people use. So it's, you know, back then it was definitely a thing. And so by sheer chance, I happened to just be searching online for something related to marketing. And there was a job opening for a marketing assistant for, I lived in um, Denver after I moved back from college. Okay. And there was a job in Boulder mm -hmm. where Peak Pilates was based mm -hmm. uh, for a marketing assistant. And I had no idea what Pilates was. I had <laughs> never done Pilates before. Um, but that's where my fitness background came in is I was intrigued by it because I said, well, I've never done this before, but it's fitness related. And it's really interesting to me to be able to couple something that I enjoy doing, which was fitness with something that I, I also love doing as well, which is the marketing side. So I said, well, this is really interesting. I'm going to go apply for it. So I went and applied for it, did a couple of interviews and got the job. But where it got interesting for me was my first day on the job was flying to a Pilates conference. Oh, PMA? Uh, nope. Uh, PMA was around back then, but um, it used to be a conference um, in like uh, just south of um, San Francisco. Uh, oh. Mind, Body, Spirit was the yeah. name of the conference. All right. Or Body, Mind, Spirit. I'm sorry. I always say those backwards. 
nothing um, like getting thrown into the Pilates. Thrown right in, yeah. And that <laughs> conference had been around for a few years, and it's really how I met some of the presenters, some of which are at the Bar Summit, um, but like, you know, like June Khan, Leslie Bender, some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's really where I got immersed in the, the world of Pilates. And really, that was, to me, the best way to learn was to just be thrown into it. And so I spent it, we went, we got there a week early and I spent my first two days assembling this major heavy Pilates equipment, reformers and chairs and barrels and all of these things. And there was, you know, 20 to 30 pieces of all of this, each of these things. For our listeners that are not Pilates people, um, peak is of more of a classical design where it's wood and metal and leather and it's gorgeous. Yes. And freaking heavy. And (laughs) because originally Pilates equipment was designed as furniture. uh, Yeah. Something so lovely. And I think that's why a bar fits so well because it's wood, you know, like attached to metal. And there's Mm -hmm. just something so um, homey and beautiful. Yeah, it's very welcoming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and, and what was so cool was that they handcrafted it in, in uh, just outside of Boulder. So yeah. it was a U.S.-based and manufacturing I job. They still you know? do. I believe they still do, maybe. They, yeah, they, have, well, they do a lot of the metal manufacturing overseas, just like everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they do still have that office in Boulder yeah. um, that they will make, um, you know, that wood equipment. Yeah, so it's, it's really it's, – it was really cool to see, and there was multiple companies there. Peak was one of them, Stott, Balance Body. There's a myriad of companies, myriad of presenters, a myriad of education methods, mm-hmm. all stemming from Pilate, Joseph Pilates. So it, it was really interesting to see the dynamic mm. and to see the difference in the equipment and the really passionate instructors who came from a very similar background but presented that information differently. Mm. Um, and, and there are reasons why. And, and it's, it was really, it was just a very different world than I was used to. I was, you know, used to like the weightlifting and all that stuff. And you just, it was just very different. Well, and having <laughs> the eyes to be able to see those differences and appreciate each one in its own way, it's so, super important because I'm sure also as you were more exposed to the Pilates world, and I, this can be said about the bar world too, of a little bit of my way or the highway, a little mm-hmm. bit of um, I did it first or nope, this is the way it's been done. Yep. Um, so having somebody come in, an outsider, let's say, and mm-hmm. see the importance of diversity in thought and in approach or background is really important for a large venue yeah. when you're trying to have a well-rounded <laughs> event and experience because yeah. if you wanted to just go to your own person, you can just go to their studio. You don't need to go to a large event to have more Absolutely. of the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what was cool is I got to see all facets of the event. I mean, mm. a lot of people don't understand the intricacy that goes involved with an event, such as let's say a Pilates event, that, that it's not just poof, the equipment magically appears. <laughs> it has to be shipped there. It has to be unpacked. It has to be stored. I mean, there's so many factors involved. And, it, and Pilates equipment is so intricate that, that 
you it it requires very delicate handling to prepare it for each individual session hmm. and so it was more so it was more knowledge that i had to undertake than just simply take this out of the box and put it in the middle of this um hotel ballroom for sure it was this presenter wants this strap set this specific way because it needs to be set that way for this type of an individual. It was very involving. And so it, it you know, and setting the foot bar at different height positions and why putting the springs in different um, positions and why, like it, all of those things were very interesting, you know, to, to really understand. And, and it was, it was great to, to work with some of our, some of our master instructors that created the peak flies education method uh, you know, trained with Ramon and some of the lineage of Joseph Pilates. And that's where I really understood what lineage meant in this context, where it was, it was taught down from different, you know, from Joe to different people. And, and there's really a, a true method that was trying to be preserved while allowing for innovation and creativity. So it was an interesting balance of keeping hold of what's true, but, but embracing evolution. As well. A hundred percent. Could you put that in writing, send it across <laughs> the universe, then copy it, paste in bar, and also send it to the bar universe. That is, yeah, not, that is yes, yes, and yes. The importance of knowing where you come from, respecting a lineage, and allowing room for innovation. Because yes, to all of that, and um, you know, having dance background, having the Pilates background myself, um, my training is rooted in lineage and respecting your quote-unquote elders, the people that came before you, your master teachers, like that, you know, ballet's been around for hundreds of years, like there's a, there's a reverence to that, Mm -hmm. Pilates has not been around as long, but there's a reverence to Joseph Pilates, but then still allowing for innovation because you are dealing you're talking about a person who was an innovator of their time and there's absolutely same with Lottie Burke there's no way that her method would stay the same today as it did 50 years ago yeah you acknowledge that and pinpoint that I think is such an important thing to be said over and over again because we can get caught up because once you're in your brand and you're you're selling this thing of a method or an experience, you know, you kind of can get stuck behind that. Like, well, this is how I was taught. Great. And why, you know, and being able to recognize that person's why and how they were told. And because, you know, and Joseph Pilates, much like Lottie Burke would tell people different things. Right. Right. Because none of us are perfect. We don't always regurgitate the exact same thing. Sometimes we say something different. No. And just being human. Right, and each piece of equipment was developed and each exercise was developed for somebody. And I know having taken class with Esther Fairfax, Lottie Burke's daughter, mm-hmm. certain moves were named after certain famous people of the time. It was, quote unquote, their move, you know? So to, to do that, it wouldn't evolve or, you know, and that you can't have reverence at the same time, I think is a silly notion. I think it's the more that can be embraced. I think that's an amazing thing that you picked up. Yeah, and, and and another thing that really stood out for me as I as I weaved in and out of these different types of Pilates events in the industry was that, and the, probably the thing that stuck with me the most is that we're 
we're always students. Mm. Um, you can't always say you're perfect or you're the best at something. You're, you should always be learning and growing. Mm -hmm. And some of the best presenters that I've seen in the industry, no matter where they came from, are ones that still go and take classes from other presenters. Not because they want to steal something, not because they're, oh, I'm going to you know, put that move in my stuff. Some of them do it, yep, yeah, and that's an unfortunate. Um, but... Oh, what I will challenge you on that yeah. is that no one owns movement, and that's a that's true. You know what I mean? That's a, coming from the dance world. Like, if somebody owned the plie, we'd be in big trouble, man. And, so, <laughs> and, and I think there's something, like, it's not about just the movement. There's so much more than that, like, what you take away and what you can make your own. And I think we do get caught up in the fear of maybe taking other people's classes or, right. you know, or the fear of being looked at as if we're going to steal somebody something just because we're in the room trying to learn and having the dance background and that's how you learned it was exp experiential it was auditory and it was visual like you watched you listened and you did it yeah now and I can teach that thing because I was taught it right so now I'm passing it down I'm passing it down and and uh yeah so I think we can sometimes and the, the larger we of the fitness industry, we get so caught up in, you know, like trying to hone in on this move that it's like, it's, we should all be taking from each other. And I think you're right. We are always students and we can learn just a different wording or approach or a vibe or a, uh, and a, a sequence, you know, like we can always be learning. I'm, I'm right there. Yeah. And that, that ties back into the, the social marketing that I, I learned many years ago was that we all come from different camps. We all have different viewpoints. We have different ways that we express the, the methods, but we all have the ultimate same goal, which is to improve the lives of the people that we teach. So I, I think that's the important part. Absolutely. Um, quote, 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 we'll quote you on that. <laughs> I mean, yes, those are my kumbaya moments. I'm throwing my hands up behind my computer right now. It's like, yes, yes, all of that. Um, we're going to write a memo after this podcast. <laughs> Send it out to the fitness world. Can we hold and what's cool is it, it applies even past the, the mind-body. I mean, because I worked for spinning for so many years. I mean, Johnny G created spinning over 20 years ago. And, you know, and the method has gone so many different directions. And there's many arguments along the way of what's right and what's wrong. But at the end of the day, everyone's trying to improve the lives of other people. Um, and that's the cool thing. And, you know, I'll hashtag my hashtag. Uh, there's plenty of room. You know, I always say yes. there's plenty of room at the bar. There's plenty of room for another spin. There's plenty of room for another Pilates. There's always enough room for everybody's voice and idea to come to the table. Um, yeah. Which brings me to, you've been in this conference convention industry for a while how did I know I'm skipping some steps but how did you start to venture into the bar world and where did that idea for bar summit begin for you well it you know it it uh it bar had a very from my perspective a very similar background as the Pilates world where there were there were a lot of different education companies and there were a lot of different different schools of thought and, and sometimes it can be combative because everyone loves their baby and mm -hmm. you know but but look at the PMA as an example that was a unifying event 
for that industry. And, and, you know, controversial statement for me, it is the only certification program for Pilates. As much as we love to throw that word around, I'm certified in this, it is the only, and that's how, and there's so hundreds of Pilates training programs out there that quote, that legally don't certify you. You have to be certified through a third party in order to be actually certified. And that's, and a license would then mean the government is licensing you, right? To tell you, right. like massage therapist. So we get, these words get used and thrown around and I'm, I, you know, not, I'm bringing this up, not because you just said it, but it's, it, there was an event in Pilates that there was copyright issue and there was trademarking issue. Yeah. And, and that's where this spawned from to have a unified definition and, um, expectations and standards of practice in the Pilates world. I do believe that one day bar might go through this. Right. The nice thing is, is that you still don't have to be quote unquote certified by PMA to teach Pilates. And I think that gives a lot of freedom. Same with bar. You know, how are you going to tell a bunch of dancers they can't teach a bar based exercise program because they've been taught since they were three years old, you know? Right. It's, um, it's super interesting. And, uh, so yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, well, and that, that's a very sticky subject also. The, you know, because there's many industries where you, like, the, like lawyers, for example, you have to pass that universal bar exam. So yes, there's many industries that are, you know, governed on a larger scale. So yes, your, your point is valid that, you know, we, we have to have that larger standardization in order to, to keep the quality of everything and to really keep things organized. That's where it gets dicey with the Pilates world, though, because, for instance, Colleen Glenn, who I used to work with at Peak Pilates, she helped write the questions that were part of the PMA exam. Mm-hmm. So, but then, but then, of course, she was one of the co-creators of the Peak Pilates certification. So it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic because Peak still considers there's an, a true Pilates certification, but then, you know, when you go to PMA, they don't, they don't recognize it as one when it's branded in sessions at the event. So it's a very, it's a sticky situation yeah. with that. Yeah, and when yeah. we're talking legality too, I mean, yeah. I get in these conversations all the time and I make it a point to say you are receiving a certificate of completion. There's no such thing as right. certification. It doesn't exist. There's no third party. Maybe one day someone besides myself they can <laughs> charge the way of, but it takes, I mean, look at Pilates, PMA, it's right. 20 years and they're still, you still cleaning it up. They're still working it out because yeah. everybody's voice really should be brought to the table and considered. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, it, 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 it is sticky and it, it's good. I think it's also good to keep the conversation going in order for the Absolutely. industry to evolve. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's required growth for all of us that do this, that see longevity in, a, in this fitness form and, uh, you know, honor where it came from, honor where it's going, honor the different entry points, you know, it has its own history. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, in, in terms of the bar side of things, that, that niche was clearly missing in terms of a unified event. Forget the, the part about 
you know, the certification element, but just the unifying event. You can actually um, use the word original. We'll say it here. You are the, the original. The bar. original, yes. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I've known members of, like, Bar Bubs faculty, like uh, Trisha Murphy. I've known, you know, I've known her for many, many years. And I've, I've known, um, you know, several people around. So I, a lot of this developed through conversation just over, you know, the course of a few years and, and just really understanding, um, you know, that there is a, there was a need to be filled. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I was, I was working full time for Mad Dog Athletics only until 2017. And that was for spinning and Pete Pilates and mm -hmm. a few other brands that they owned. So my mind couldn't even delve into looking at anything else while I was dealing with all of that. And then once I left and really wanted to pursue something, there definitely was a niche that needed to be filled with respect to the bar side of things. Yeah, could you speak so on some of those pain points you saw in the bar community specifically that you wanted to kind of solve with creating um, a conference? Yeah, absolutely. The, the largest one being the, um, the kind of what we spoke to before where there's this, this overall that's mine, I started this, or, you know, it's very um, protective of our brands and of our methods. Mm. And when you see a lot of the, the chain bar studios out there, a lot of them are very, very protective of their method mm -hmm. and very restrict. I, this is the part I find interesting. They're very restrictive of their teachers teaching at other places. They can't. It's a conflict. I mean, as soon as, I yeah. mean, speaking of legality, I get it on both ends, and it's right unfortunate and fortunate for them right because it's a direct conflict of interest for right. a direct conflict of interest for their brand and it stinks and yeah also, okay i get it you know <laughs> yeah but i've heard it even go even more so than just teaching let's say for a competing bar studio let's say there's a cycling studio down the street and they're also certified in cycling like, like being restrictive that you just can't even teach anywhere else. I can't. No, the non-competes are. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that really goes against that central point I just made of you always have to be a student. You always have to be learning and growing. And, and especially as students want different things from their fitness workouts. Oh. We see this explosion in fusion right now. Um, down. And who's, yeah. paying, who's paying their salary? Who's paying their health care? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's be real. If if these people want to have a job in the industry we love, you are not paying me the salary <laughs> and the benefits. Right. You don't get a say where I teach. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine the Pilates world? I've taught at many studios at one time, and that is the name of the game. And and it's not a bad thing. You are showing up at different places, and you have a different audience, and you know, again, it's not great running around town trying to teach at a thousand places all the time, but being able to have that opportunity to share your own voice with different people just brings more value than it does diminish the value of the one place that wants to keep you there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think it, it really, part of the event was to really get everyone together. And we're not gonna have all schools of, of, of thought on bar. I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's almost, there's so many, it's, it's impossible to have them all. Sure. But we try and diversify as much as we can um, to allow for all methods to be represented. And, and it's important that we all can play in the sandbox together. <laughs> and, and 
and that's kind of one of the big goals is to to say like yes we are all different in the way we present it but we're all here for the common good of bar uh, to uplift the entire industry to propel it forward for many more years yeah because you're not we're not going to get anywhere if we continue talking about choreography and whose move is what move and what it's called like can we right. Like, you know, that's not going to move it forward. But doing something like this and being able to come to the table together and share, I think 100% will propel it forward. So when it comes to programming, what are kind of the top attributes you like to kind of look for when deciding to schedule to, for attendees to make sure it's well-rounded um, in your programming and your scheduling? Because I know it's obviously you can't have everybody there. <laughs> right, yeah. It's and it's hard, always... But- it is always such a tough decision because, as I mentioned before, I've produced many events and I've been a part of the programming for so many things. And it's, it's never an easy decision and everyone submits so many good ideas. So there's never a perfect answer. I'll just start with that. <laughs> but we try and get as best of a representation that we can. So some of the factors that are part of the consideration are the lineage. That's a big factor. So one of the things I wanted to represent at the Bar Summit was that a lot of people don't know the history. And that was probably one of the most fascinating things for me personally when I started this event. And I started to have conversations with people that have studied the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Joe Rose Jacobs, who was at the event this last year. Fred and Liz, who have been at the event for a couple years now. They've interviewed people. And they've, I mean, Fred and Liz uh, taught for many years this, this method that was carried down. And so... It's just really interesting to hear their thought process and how they teach and, and also just to give the history, you know, so that's one of the factors is bringing in people that have, yeah. And people that go on a big shout out to the London method girls out in California and the work they're doing with Esther Fairfax is phenomenal. They just launched their, um, video library that features Esther and the original Mm -hmm. work. I think it is. So I, yeah absolutely yeah and it's and it's no no it's it's great to have that's the thing everyone that wants to preserve the integrity is it's important Mm -hmm. um so that does need representation and that's why they were there last year as well that's why all of these players were there they all have different views Mm -hmm. on how they present it you know and or what's right or what's wrong and you know that's fine but um but it's about understanding that history and and lineage and, and being able to present that. And also there's, there's part of the event isn't just throwing anyone who wants to teach a class on the schedule. That's mm-hmm. not what it's about. It's, it's about um, putting people that have a deeper understanding of the work, just like a Pilates event. Um, there's people that have been teaching for 30 years. Not to say that someone that's one year into their career can't bring new and fresh ideas, mm. but, but it's important to put people forward that have have taught these things for so many years that they understand all of the different factors that can come your way as a teacher not only just from the exercise standpoint but but utilizing music properly cueing properly modifying exercises properly for so many different types of populations you know someone that's just fresh out of their career may not have worked with an 80 year old person yet and really understood how to modify things for that person well, in or a large t- conference setting, you're teaching to the biggest population possibly that yeah. you've taught for, you know, everybody's Absolutely. coming in with yeah. a big program. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so that's one factor. Another factor is the fresh and new and exciting stuff because that can't be neglected either. So some of the, some of the stuff that we bring in are, are, you know, relatively newer presenters and they, you know, maybe it's their first or second time presenting at a conference and, you know, we give them a session or two so they can have some exposure. Um, and, and part of it is it's, it's hard to, you want to vet people as much as possible to make sure that they have at least some sort of a solid background in education because it is an education conference. So that, that's, you know, it's like saying, oh, I took a a four day cert. Well, like you said, the word cert is thrown around. Right. So we can say, I took a four hour cert. I'm a bar instructor now. Well, okay. But what does that really mean? What did you really learn in that? So, so part of it, you know, and it's tough to vet that because. Well, it's tough in the bar world to vet that too, because it's, uh, where we were saying before, like kind of the being shut out by bigger chains, um, you know, there was no way to get quote unquote bar trained outside a chain for many, many years. Hence you spawn out Ballet Beautiful, you spawn out Booty Bar, you spawn out, um, you know, different licensing programs. From there, you have a whole world of like dancers that are like, hey, I've been doing this and I've been teaching since I was a teenager. Cause that's part of like your apprenticeship really as like a dancer, yeah. like most people are teaching by the time they're 18, whether they're helping or whatever. So it's also your, what's bar, funny about bar and unique about bar is that you also have this ballet world. That's like, Hey, I have this experience. Right. Now, do I want to go get trained by somebody that doesn't have the same ballet experiences me no right so and that's exactly like having started another program many many years ago my famous last words I like to say was like I can do this in my sleep I've been doing this for 20 plus years and I'm only 20 years you know something years old so I think a unique uh modality in the sense that like you're not going to get somebody that's been doing suspension TRX training since they were five right right but you're going to (laughs) get thousands of dancers that are like, I know my relationship with this bar. I have now had life experience, had other fitness experience, Pilates, yoga, da, da, da. And you're seeing a lot of these fusions. It's because of the amazing benefits of a standing up supported system like the bar. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, it's, it's really interesting me on both sides, having been classically trained in Pilates, having a classically trained dance background of the two different approaches of who's qualified, who's not qualified. And I'm not calling you out on this, but it's right. a conversation of for bar in particular, because you have thousands of dancers that are yeah. more trained than somebody that just discovered it a year ago, became a fan and is now teaching essentially some ballet technique in these classes, you know? And yeah. So, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's so interesting. I think that's what makes it juicy, right? <laughs> it really is. And that, that is a good segue to another element that's yeah. always considered with the event is some of our presenters are classically ballet trained, you know, um, or classical, yeah, classically trained, I should say. But um, yeah, so it, and some are from the fitness side, you know, so it's, it, it's both dynamics that have validity, mm-hmm. um, and should be represented so that people can see both sides of the coin. 
to see how to meet somewhere in the middle to make a really unique and interesting bar class for their students. Absolutely, because you don't need um, to be a dancer to do bar. You don't need to have a ballet background to learn how to bend your knees. I mean, that's just a silly thing. But it, it is different quality. It's different quality of movement. It's different approach, mm -hmm. different technique. And again, it makes for a juicier modality than, say, like a kickboxing class, right? It's like, this is how you do it or whatever. There's no, there's no kickboxer since birth. You know? <laughs> right, right. Maybe there are. Maybe martial arts. I shouldn't have used martial arts. That's enough old matter. <laughs> That's all matter. <laughs> so how do you compete, um, or how would you say you compete with other conferences out there and pulling the big names as well as the rising stars to ensure, you know, people are going to attend and also that you have this diversity and thought and movement? Uh, well, one of the one of the biggest things that I think can be a differentiating factor is, I believe you touched on this earlier. Before um, I probably won't say it exactly the way you did, but but essentially creating a welcoming environment mm. for the people that are attending. Um, I've been to so many conferences before, and and I will not name any names because <laughs> that's not what we're here to do. But I've been to events before where there's sort of a negative vibe when you mm. arrive. Mm -hmm. It's so, like, whether it be the people at the, the desk when you walk up, they're just kind of mean. <laughs> or, All right, like, or, or not helpful if you ask them for directions of where to go. Or if you just, not to say that, you know, that there's always things we're going to improve about the bar summit. There's certain things that so we can always change. Feel, but Yeah, if you feel like you're yeah. walking into a middle school cafeteria with a full lunch tray and you're afraid to trip, that is not the vibe you want to be yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so one of the things I always try to do to differentiate my event is having a personal interaction. Um, the last couple of years, I mean, I, my personality is one where I'm just, and people that have known me for many years know this about me, I'm always going, always running around, always doing this, always, just all over the place at these events. Um, because I just think it's important to just not be sitting on the sideline, but to be truly involved in the experience for the attendees. And if there's something that I'm alerted to that isn't correct, I personally like to take initiative to fix that for someone. Mm -hmm. Like if an attendee comes up and says, well, I don't really like how this happened. Okay, well, let's see how we can fix it for you. Mm -hmm. Or to give a personal welcome to the people when they're coming up to register. And I think that's missing from a lot of events. Mm -hmm. um, it's just sort of like get them their stuff and get them on their way versus really understanding that they we're glad that they're there and and it's it's important that they understand that that they are part of this not just an event they are part of the community and i really try and hit that home with the marketing that i put out as well as the experience that they receive when they get to the event um, it's such a great way i mean and as a teacher and as many teachers listening to this you know it seems so like obvious sometimes of like how can you connect with people in such a simple way but it's just saying hello just saying somebody's name a couple times while you're talking to them or asking them where are you from what brought you here what are you most excited about asking questions and actually having yeah. a conversation and not being yeah thrown your materials and be like hey see ya because you're not going to get the feedback so if there's somebody that doesn't have a great experience they might be inclined to send you some like constructive feedback right but sometimes they're just going to be silent and they're not going to show up again like right if you yeah. can get people comfortable to a point where they're like 
hey, you know what? Actually, I would love more of this instead of being like, well, I didn't really like that I was greeted, blah, 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 blah. You know, so it, it comes yeah. from, you come from a place of positivity and uplifting. Um, and now, are there things that happen in the Bar Summit? Could you tell kind of the listeners maybe something to expect? Like on the community side of, um, you know, are there breakout sessions? Are there community events that you like to hold during the weekend? Um, yeah, so one of the... One of the big factors for us is having sort of a welcome event for everyone to socialize um, mm-hmm. to kick off the event. So we, we generally, the event's a two-day event on the weekend, and then we usually have, we call them special trainings. I, I, again, I don't like to throw around the word um, certification. Yeah. I, I, it's tough. As, a, as an independent party, I ha- have to let each education company rep- represent themselves the way they do. So if they call something a certification yeah. or a training, I put that forward because it's not my decision to yeah. for them. But, um, so that's why I have just sort of a, it's just the special training, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> Very politically correct. Yeah, I have to be because it's not my duty yeah. to tell them they're wrong. No, of course. You know, it's, yeah. So, um, so, uh, so we have that, we've actually added a bunch more on Thursday and Friday this year than, than in many years past. So we, you know, we have people that want to come just to get those really intensive learning experiences prior to the event. But then everyone is invited to our um, happy hour that we have in the evening on Friday evening to kick off the event. And we've done it now for the past few years. And one of the things that I wanted to make sure was was part of the community for them was the venue. So we've we've chosen it to be on the beach in a really pretty setting. Um, And both years that we did this event prior, it was out on, you know, this beautiful veranda where they can see the ocean and the sunset and all of these pretty things and take pictures with their friends, whether they be friends that they just met or friends they've had forever, um, you know, have a, a, a drink, have a glass of wine, have an appetizer, and really just have like a casual time to socialize and just see who's all here, mm. who's around. And that's not necessarily new to, you know, other events do that, of course. But um, for us, it's about setting a really calm environment. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these conferences can be like loud music and you're running around and oh my God, and it's like stressful. Sure. And we don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's part of the opening experience is that it's this really pretty setting and it's relaxed and we're all just kind of having a nice casual time. So that's number one. And then the second thing that we've done um, is a, a gathering for for the meals. Um, this, this last year we had a, a panel discussion at the lunchtime mm. setting and we, we put out a, a nice spread of a really healthy buffet for all different um, options of dietary restrictions uh, be, because we are very cognizant to the fact that just throwing out a box lunch isn't really what our There's our nothing worse wants. than at a conference or a convention, <laughs> and you, especially for fitness and wellness and you get... <laughs> A freaking ham sandwich, and you're like, what the heck? You're like, I don't eat meat. <laughs> right. Or like, thanks for my potato chips that like, yes, I eat them, but also, should I be eating them as well? <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> right. It's always an important decision. And, that, and that's the thing. And when we talk about wellness, it's about the entire wellness experience, even at an event. So we, we like to offer healthy options so that you can feel good while you're at the event. 
Um, and then, you know, and then we also try and again, create that sense of community by having lunch together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's an expensive endeavor to put these events on way more than people think. Yeah. Um, I, it's, I, it's something I didn't, I have written down to ask you, but do shed a light on, uh, on, yeah, they kind of like what, you know, the highlights of what goes into creating something like this. Absolutely. A lot of times, you know, people come back at, oh, the price point or, oh, the, Oh, it was so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So let's pause that for one sec. Let me finish the thought on this and we'll go back to that. So, yeah. So we had the lunch in this last year and the idea is that, you know, we had some sort of a, a learning element to it. We know, you know, we only have an hour and people are eating lunch, so it's not something super intricate, but it was nice to have some of the leaders in the barn just to really talk about their, their part in the industry and sort of the lineage and where, where bar is going. And so we, we try and add some sort of an element with the lunch for the 2020 event. We have something special planned that I am not telling anyone. We do have a lunch planned just like last year, but it's just an unnamed special event on purpose. So, so that's something to look forward to. (laughs) And then something that we, really to, to talk about the community part again that we really wanted to do was have a unifying workout together um, because we all run around in sessions all day long but then where's one time where we can all be together and I'm nothing against any of the other events in the industry I'm just kind of over keynotes it was kind of like yeah, that's great you know it's cool it's, but to me it's kind of you know, it's kind of been there, done that. Yeah, I do have to say, outside of, like, um, PMA specifically just introduced it. I think that was, like, a new thing for this realm. Um, I do love the idea of the community class having presented at Momentum Fest last year, which is a mm-hmm. uh, Pilates movement. Uh, it's not in yoga. There's bar. All kinds of different modalities. Um, that was, like, the most fun was teaching everybody in the room and everyone just recapping and laughing and moving and you know the things that came up over the weekend it was just such a nice way and I think that's so great that you guys do that like it just is a nice way to like feel off a great weekend yeah yeah and 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 one thing I wanted to make sure was that it wasn't just another bar class because mm. everyone does like a thousand of them over the weekend <laughs> and like, you're just yeah. tired and yeah. sore so like you don't want to pulse anymore so. <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 oh, and, and, and to go back to like the programming mix one more time, it's also important for us not to just have bar mm-hmm. because there's so many sister um, modalities that are, that are applicable, such as Pilates, a little bit of yoga here and there, you know, different mind body elements that are important to also consider because of the fusion element and just because you can learn things that you can incorporate into your bar classes. So with that in mind, that was kind of the concept of the closing workout as well, that we really brought in something different and unique. And um, Alignment Essentials, who sponsored our closing workout this last year, is going to do it again in 2020. And the big reason why, there weren't a ton of us at the closing, probably like 50 of the, of the total attendance. But, you know, some people just need to get going, and that's totally understandable. But for those that stayed... It was a really, like, it was even more of a, a moving experience than I even expected mm-hmm. because it wasn't just about doing a workout. It was really tapping into your personal emotion mm-hmm. and pulling that out and just letting go mm-hmm. all the things 
that you you might need to let out and just to feel good and and it was a really cool way that they they wove together music with the movement and we we basically did a sampling of the different types of workouts that they offer into one you know one uh workout but it was just i remember seeing some people crying Hmm. at at one point because they were just like oh that was just so nice to just let that out or everyone carries carries something and we don't tell everyone no and movement that you know movement moves those emotions through your body and you know, again, going back to the dance aspect that's kind of left out of bar is that emotion. And I love that yoga is being fused with bar in a lot of ways, just for the mind connection, you know, just Mm -hmm. being able to let go. Why can't we take those principles and apply them to bar? You know, just like the Pilates principle, why can't we apply them to this modality? And I think that sounds, it is a moving experience, right? It's a, on both ends, physical and mental. And, you know, when it comes to ending a weekend of learning and connecting and building and growing and questioning how to cap that off, like it's hard, you know, having done, um, you know, some coaching and conferences that way where it's like, okay, like how do I preserve myself in order to like re-enter into the quote-unquote regular world again how do i you know protect my own energy or to seal my energy so when i go back to teaching on monday i'm not like word vomiting (laughs) everything that i've learned that they're not ready maybe to learn or it's just too much info or you know i haven't quite processed it and it is a a great way to kind of like tie it up keep it inside for a minute and then to share, right? Because it's sometimes I feel like, you know, you come back and you're like, you just want to teach all of the things you learned in that, right. in that one class. And you're like, okay, great. That was like, I probably should have charged a thousand dollars for that one class for all the information I just gave. <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the things I learned many years ago. So Stacy Lee Krause, uh, who teaches her cardio yoga method at the event, mm-hmm. uh, her and I have known each other for many years in the industry. And, um, one of the things she always used to push and, you know, when she was teaching at these conferences was leaving them with one little nugget that they could take home. Because like you said, there's such an overload that you get. And it's like, what one thing can you take and apply and really make your class different the next day? And so I think that that was kind of a cool thing that she infused into her sessions. And, and she's not the only one to do that. Several presenters do that, uh, but it's, it's kind of nice also for the attendee to have these little mini breaks throughout the conference to just stop for a second, let things settle so that when they do go back Monday, they have a couple things from all of their sessions that they can implement right away because they're, they're able to think clearly yeah, <laughs> after it's, it's all like said and done. Right? Like it's because there is so much going on. The notes. <laughs> so where do you hope to see Bar Summit go in the future? So really what I want to do is continue to grow it. Um, you know, we're three years in now with the event this October. Um, so I just want to continue to grow it on a larger scale, um, maybe create more opportunities for the experience for attendees, mm-hmm. which could include potentially off-site activities as a group, really focusing more on the community element, mm-hmm. um, diversifying the programming even more as we evolve. You know, the fitness industry seems to evolve 
each year with new things. So, so continuing to foster that evolution and, and be a place to find new and innovative programming for your studio while still understanding the history of what it once was so that you can, you can appreciate both when taught in your classes. Um, and really providing proper support for the many studio owners and instructors that are out there. Um, that's why we try and infuse a lot of business improvement classes as well. We don't have tons of them, but we have you know, like five to 10 of them on the schedule um, because we also want people to feel like they're being supported in their businesses, not just as an instructor. Uh, so I want to continue to foster those things as we grow forward, potentially getting into bigger venues, um, you know, where we can hold more people. But also, I'm not trying to grow it to be this like 10,000 person event because then it's going to get diluted. And I don't want it to be diluted. Sure. I mean, it, it, there is something we said for an intimate experience. And I love what you said about support. I mean, that's definitely a big pain point I saw. Um, you know, I started with a manual, grew into workshops, grew into teacher training. And ultimately, always in the back of my mind was what is beyond that bar class? It's the policies, it's the procedure, it's the boundary setting, it's the worth setting, it's so much more. Whether you teach an hour, fill income, whether you teach 100 hours a month, you know, so it's, I think that it's so important to legitimize the bar industry, I think to validate and bring worth and value to what we do, because we're in a world of multiple revenue streams and yeah different, you know, income coming from different places. And it doesn't have to just be one, but if we value each thing that we do the same and not saying I'm just a teacher, I only teach two hours a week or I own whatever, like diminishing that, I think the better because it is mostly, you know, especially in a world and in an industry that's very flexible. Most of us have come to this because of that flexible lifestyle, whether we have a family or kids mm -hmm. or, you know, a job that we love to do, but we want to also do something else as a passion and keeping room for that, I think is important. And having that support and having those talks beyond the choreography, right? Beyond yeah. the technique. And I think that's so, so great to yeah. grow. Yeah. And, and another thing that's of the utmost importance to me as we go forward with this event and it kind of ties into a lot of the things you and I discussed about the social media elements and about your and I's age group and how we can still talk on phone and we can still yeah. do things, you know, in person. And it's, it's, it's a big passion of mine. And this has been through my entire career because I've seen a lot of evolution in fitness over all these years to appreciate the value of social media mm -hmm. and of online learning because let's face it, it is going that direction. It already has, and it's going to go even more in that direction. But not to forget the value of in-person interaction and how much that truly affects us in a positive way. Um, so, so I really want to keep pushing the importance of a live event, not just mine, all fitness industry mm -hmm. events that are live. Because there's so many of them out there, and they're all very important for that reason. Um, yeah, you can yeah. only get so much learning online For sure. and it's important to do that but then take that learning and go to a live event and learn with other people and from other people together because you're going to get a very different personal experience out of that 
that are, that's really going to grow you as an instructor or a studio owner versus just only learning something online. A hands or, down, and, and having those different entry points, I mean, uh, you know, good, my mentor and good friend, Jenna Savino, has a Pilates podcast, um, Pilates Unfiltered, and she did an interview, man, I'm, I'm going to forget who it was, but their entry point into teaching Pilates was doing Mari Windsor's DVD, sorry, not even DVD, VHS video. <laughs> That's how she learned Pilates, and then it grew, wow. and her curiosity grew from there. So we just don't know where people are entering from, right? And, it, and it's so important to then have those touch points of the in-person, seeing it happen in real time, in real life, and then to get your questions or your comments heard. And that experience then is even more individualized and personalized for you. I think all of it has a place. And I think it, it is amazing to come together, especially most of us don't live in large cities you know, that come to these kind of events. And it's important mm -hmm. to get out of even your own bubble. I mean, I live in New York City, one of the largest cities, and I'm still in my own little bubble. I have like a full <laughs> radius. I see the same people every week and people get shocked. And like, no, we all create our own little local thing. And yeah. so it's important for me to get outside and go see other things outside of New York, outside of um wherever you know so it's uh yeah that's yeah always has yeah. That. important and i also want to make it accessible to not just the fact that that a live event exists for people but that it's achievable for them to go and 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 it's tough right because i have to find enough of a balance where where i can actually sustain operating the event because i mentioned the expense is so great to to select a venue and to you know to reserve the ballroom space and you have to commit to a certain number of hotel room nights and um, you know, and especially with first year event, there's not a lot of brand awareness of it. So you really have to push hard to convince people why it's important and what the value is because most fitness instructors don't make lots of money. And so this is a very large investment to not only pay the fee to attend sessions, but to get the hotel room, to get the flight, to get to all these things. So as we go forward, I'm very cognizant of those things as well. In fact, when I negotiated this year's contract from last year, I was able to bump the room rate down from 189 a night to 169 a night. Mm. And I know that doesn't seem like a ton, but I mean, if you're there for three nights, that's 60 bucks that you're saving. Right. Um, and that, that means a lot to people that, that, that just don't make a lot as it is doing this or that it's part time or, you know, so, so I'm very cognizant of, of yeah, it's, go ahead. yeah, it's choosing, you know, where, like, I guess maybe you can share with us, like if, if someone is going to walk away from your event, like what is the one thing you hope they walk away with? Because, you know, having spent the money in choosing Bar Summit as the investment that they're doing that year, what do you yeah. hope is like the number one thing they walk away with? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate this into two buckets. I could separate oh. it into more, but I'm going to do one bucket is a new instructor to the industry. Mm -hmm. So for someone that maybe is local and they see that there's one of these special trainings on Thursday or Friday and they're like, oh, I've always wanted to teach bar or I've always wanted to teach something in Pilates. I'm going to really want to learn about this. I want them to be able to go to a place, see what this community is about mm -hmm. and see what positivity it brings and go through a, a training that they really feel confident about that they can take those skill sets to then continue to learn and grow and start a career. So that's the first thing. 
Um, but then someone that has, has either been teaching bar for many years um, or, or is even, let's say, a presenter or owns a, a bar studio of their own or a chain of bar studios. I want them to be able to come to the event and get fresh and new ideas and perspectives that they can take back to try and improve their teaching skills and or businesses. Um, because that goes back to my central point, we're always students. Mm-hmm. And we're better when we're, we're always learning and growing as individuals. And so I, I think that's the central thing I want people to take away is that you're going and becoming a better person as a result and a better instructor, a better studio owner, whatever your relationship is in the fitness industry, you are improving yourself and setting yourself up for success in the future. Boom. You said it. So good. So good. And now knowing that you run around your own conference and you are there and you're present and you're talking to people and you're experiencing it in real time with everybody. Um, I like to do a little segment called heard at the bar. Um, these are things that can be heard in class, in the studio, around, they can be myths. So a big one you hear a lot is like bars for dancers. Um, so is there a heard at the bar that you've heard while at these at bar summit, um, that you either like know to be true or would like to debunk as a, I've heard this, but it's, I want to bust this myth. Oh, did I lose you? I, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. No, there you are. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, as, as an outlier being a, a male um, and going into the Pilates industry, one of the things I always felt was this has to be more accessible for guys. Mm. Um, and it, it rings true as well for the bar world. And I'm not saying that, that everyone walks around saying, oh, well, guys can't do bar. No one says that. Um, but there's just a general stigma that often happens at the event that it's for the girls, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is an important factor to have as well. So I'm not saying that that's not a, an important factor. I'm just saying that there's, that's something that we can maybe improve upon as an industry is being more welcoming to people that might not have really known about bar and the benefits of bar and really trying to appeal to them to bring them in. That benefits all of us when we do that, because then you have more students in your class. um, You're making more money as an instructor or a studio owner. And, and so I think one of the things I've noticed is, is maybe um, having, having more options for inclusivity for guys to, to feel welcomed at the event or in a bar studio in general. Um, You know, so that's kind of where I'm trying to work toward. It's, it is a very female driven format of exercise just like pilates is and that's you know that that is what it is and then relating it to the dance world it's funny it's a female driven industry but guess who all the choreographers are <laughs> they're that's men true. that's <laughs> true guess who is getting you know like who has a longer career because of, you know because of the style of dancing and you know men because they you know they're not doing the flexibility craziness that the women are per se, they're lifting and doing other things, but it's more strength driven a lot of times, but it's, so it's funny. And and I, I'm with you, like it's, it is an untapped market that I think can definitely be tapped into more. And I love, um, even today, actually recording this, um, 
somebody tagged me a video, a male bar teacher. And I was like, oh, I love my bar boys. Thank you. Keep tagging me. I want to find all of you and then just like release you into the world and be like, see, see. They do exist. <laughs> they do exist. Um, I've got one last question for you. Um, and this is my last segment. I ask everybody this. It's the what's in your bar, your B-A-R. And uh, this year, Lauren Lavelle in Philadelphia, she has opened it up to not only drinks in your bar, but a snack bar. So if there's something that fuels you or relaxes you, winds you down, or keeps you going, I want to know what's in your bar, if you can share with the listeners. What's in my bar is adventure. And that's very broad to say, but, but essentially what keeps me moving is um, is experiencing other cultures. Mm. So for, for me, travel is a really important thing. And I've said this for years, let's go on an adventure. I love adventures. And all my, you know, my fitness friends will know that because I say it all the time. Um, so for me, it's picking those moments throughout the year that I really want to experience something new and, and travel and, and uh, meet different people and maybe even try different forms of exercise in, the, in another country that I've never tried before. So so that's kind of, you know, where I'm trying to go toward this year is, is expand my horizon a bit by trying something new. I love the choose your own adventure bar. I'm adding that on you and Lauren <laughs> win for growing my what's in the bar to even <laughs> length. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so before we totally wrap, could you tell everybody where to find and follow the bar summit? Absolutely. So our website is barsummit.com. Uh, and then we have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash bar summit. Our Instagram account is at bar summit. And uh, we, we also have a Facebook group. Now that's, um, it is for bar summit attendees, but that doesn't mean that you have to have already signed up to be in the group. Um, it's just a moderated group. So you have to, um, you know, put forth that you want to join the group and then I'll accept it. But, but the idea behind the group is to continue to create that sense of community. So people that are considering going to the event, maybe need a roommate or maybe want to ask about travel plans or, you know, anything related to the event, that's a forum that you can go to chat with each other. And we're part of the, the forum and we, we moderate it to an extent. So there's, there shouldn't be any like spam or someone's trying to, you know, do anything weird on the group and we'll delete that if that's the case. But it's really supposed to be a welcoming forum for you to be able to speak to each other. Um, and then of course, our phone number is on our website. Um, I am always available uh, if someone has any questions about anything. Um, our email is info at barsummit.com or mine is ben at barsummit.com. Feel free to email me directly as well because that's also part of my, my goal. <laughs> You're gonna get so many emails. No, that's fine. I'm okay with it because, okay. to my point, it's about the personal okay. touch. That I want them to feel like they're welcome. So, so that's where you can find. <laughs> Love it. Thank you for being so open. Thank you for creating this community, and I cannot wait for this to air, and then also for everybody to sign up to Bar Summit. Absolutely, and I'm here if you have any questions, and I look forward to seeing everyone this fall. It's always such a nice joy to to see such, such happy, bright, smiley faces, you know, walking up to the registration desk and being in sessions and everyone's smiling and, and having a fun time with their, their group of girls that they come with. And it's just, it's a really um, positive experience. So I'm, I'm excited for it later this year. Great. Thank you everybody for tuning in. If you'd like to write into the podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. 
follow us all over social media at Bar Variations. You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you